Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. All right. Um, Do you have joyful memories and joyful thoughts about Christmas? I I hope you do. Um, I know that it's not always the most joyful time, but I think for most of us, at least, maybe especially when we were a kid, we've got things that just stick in our brains. I've got quite a few. My family is, I mean, you probably think the same thing about your family. My family's a little bit crazy. We've got a lot of different characters and just funny people in our family. Um, And just some of the things, and it might not be funny to you, but I have this very, very distinct memory of we would ride around and look at Christmas lights. I was in the country. We grow up just like country people. We we didn't have cake until I was in high school. I mean, some of y'all that are younger don't even have a clue what that's like. Like, you don't even know what cable is because there ain't no such thing as cable no more. But we did, we were pre-cable where we lived. And so we would ride around and look at Christmas lights. And it wasn't even, nobody had these blow-up things and all that crazy stuff people got now. But we had lights. They put up lights. And we would ride around, we'd look at them, and we would like, oh, this is so cool. And we'd pack in way more people. Chances are we probably didn't have to wear seat belts. I know, I'm just like dating myself big time. But we would like, I mean, pack 12 people in the car and put a little baby up in the back window of the car, roll him over if it's hot, you know, I mean, I'm saying in daylight when you're riding around like that, but not near Christmas light looking. Anyway, we'd ride around, and we rode by this place. This guy was this country dude that just set up all these crazy lights, and his name, I don't know if this was his given name, but his name that everybody called him was Elijah Plum. Kid you not. And everybody where I'm from, as I said, was very country, eastern North Carolina, and they called him Lygie Plum. Lygie Plum. And we would ride by and we'd look at Lygie Plum's Christmas lights, and it was an extravaganza. It was like Clark Griswold on steroids and smoking a little crack on the side. I'm just saying. And it was extreme, and we would ride by, and I remember riding by this one particular year, and my grandma, at this time, she'd have probably been 80-some years old, she's sitting in the car with us, and she says, simple but pretty, and man, we just lost it. I I know it's not that funny to y'all, a couple of y'all think it's funny, but we just lost it, because I mean, it's like this, it's like Christmas vomited all over his yard, and she's like, simple but pretty, and we just... And I kid you not, 30-some years, 40-some years later, that's still like a running joke with our family. It's like about anything. We'll use it about anything. Well, it's simple but pretty. You know, and that's our thing. But that's just one of my joyful memories. If you don't like it, I don't care. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Just kidding. But I've got lots of joyful memories about Christmas. We've been making new ones with our family. Um, you know, little things like that. Uh, I, I've got a new experience right now. We've got our, our daughter and her husband are in town, and they brought our little granddaughter. They'll be here with us tonight. So if you want to see the baby, you got to come back tonight. That's what I'm saying. But we, uh, you know, we've already done some opening gifts with her, and that's been so cool. She's eight months old, and man, it's just like, you know, she loves the lights and all this kind of stuff. So we're making new memories, joyful memories. But honestly, one of my favorite joyful memories that we're still carrying on this day is it's a special, special one. And I've told some of you about it before, but our family has done it for as long as I can remember. On that same grandma, the simple but pretty grandma, we started on her side. We get together, we would open up our gifts. And back then, everybody got a lot of gifts. There were a lot of kids. I was a little kid. And what you would notice, and it was always funny to watch somebody new come into the family, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a new husband or wife or whatever would come into the family, and they would just be watching. Everybody would open their gifts, and then we had this tradition. 
which did not bring me joy. Uh, I wanted to punch people. We had to go around and tell everybody what we got. We had to hold it up. Like this. And if you're a kid, that's killing you, right? And so you had to show everybody your gifts. So everybody went around and did that. But while they were doing that, you know, if you're new, you're sitting there like, oh, that's sweet. Oh, that's a, that's a nice gift. That's a nice gift. But the rest of the family is slowly like doing this, grabbing wrapping paper. You're like, man, this is a tidy bunch of people. They're just cleaning up already, and they're just bringing wrapping paper. And as soon as the last person tells their gifts, all of a sudden, World War III breaks out. Everybody's balling up wrapping paper in the balls and just just hitting people. I mean, I kid you not. And I'll tell you what, I've learned there's some of that wrapping paper that it's like aluminum foil. That will put a dent in your cranium. I will tell you that. It will send you back to third grade real fast in a hurry. I'm telling you, it, it, we would do it. it. It didn't matter. Our grandma, I mean, she, was, she passed away at almost 95 years old. And up till about 94, 93, she was still in the mix. And, you know, some people, if they, yeah, 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 if they were new to the family, they'd be like, oh, I'm not going to hit grandma. And you'd be looking the other way, and grandma would poosh, ear hole you in a second. I mean, she would. Baby, baby too, baby gets initiated. It's, it's like a christening, bam, hitting the baby. We did it. And I kid you not, and we just did it. We, we still keep it up. We did it with my family. My granddaughter, she got hit with a paper ball. You know, I mean, she did. But uh, it's just what we do. But it's a joyful, joyful memory of hurting one another at Christmas. <laughs> but I say that because I hope Christmas is joyful for you. But I know for a lot of us, it's, it's not. I, for a lot of people, it's not joyful. There's, or at least there's things about it that aren't joyful. You may have lost a loved one. You may have some bad memories about Christmas. You might be lonely. I mean, we feel in blank. We've talked about that a lot over these past few weeks because these sermons that we've been looking at, towards the night before we talked about peace, we talked about now joy, we talked about all these things. And sometimes it can get a little heavy. And you think about the very first Christmas. You think about Mary and Joseph and the news that they got. And Mary being told, you know, she's going to have to let everybody know that she's supposed to be a virgin, but she's having a baby. And everybody's supposed to say, oh, it's God's baby, right? You know? It would be insane, you know, you think about it. And in our culture, in our day and time, it might not be that big of a shock, but back then, this was a serious, serious thing. And then you got Joseph, who's supposed to just accept this woman and just trust that it's, you know, God's baby, and he's not going to be the laughing stock of the village, and he probably was. But he had to decide. And so the first Christmas for them, it seems beautiful to us, but while you're living it, it's probably terrifying. It was scary. And for them, it might not have been all that joyful. You know, they, they had their moments, I'm sure, you know, when the angels came and the shepherds came, and it's like, whoa, this is, this is something powerful here. But there were some scary moments. But the beautiful thing that we see is that all of them were able to trust God in this difficult time and find joy in what God was asking them to do. And so what I want to talk about for just a few minutes, I'm not going to keep you really long. I, I hope and pray I'm not. That's my, not my intention. Don't want this to be a hostage situation this morning. But it's this. I want you to be able to leave here finding some joy in your life. If you've already got joy, praise God, help, help rub it off on somebody else. But for those of you that struggle with it, I want you to be able to take this. And for those of you that have joy, I want you to be able to find more joy. And so I'm going to tell you a little secret. It's nothing earth-shattering, ground-breaking, but here's what I want you to do. When you hear the word joy, here's what I want you to start thinking. Jesus, others, yourself. 
in that order. And the way the word's written, Jesus first, others second, and then yourself last. I want you to start thinking about that way. And here's what I want you to do. First off, when you think about joy, you want to say, I want Jesus to be first in my life over everything else. And some of us, if we've grown up in church or we have sort of like a church culture maybe in our family, even if you don't go to church a whole lot, you still might say, oh yeah, I love Jesus. But the question that I have to answer for myself, and you've got to answer too, is, is Jesus truly first in your life? Because here's the truth, is that you'll never ever have real joy, lasting joy, even in difficulties, if Jesus isn't first. And even if you've grown up, even if you've been in church your entire life, you might be going through life and you've got moments of really good highs, but really, really low lows. How do you find joy even in those low lows? It's putting Jesus first. And we can't just assume that Jesus is first just because we love him. Just because we love him doesn't mean that he's first. Yeah, you might have moments of happiness, but then you've got moments and even sometimes a lifetime of emptiness. How do you find joy? Matthew 6, Jesus says in his ministry, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Put his kingdom, his, his plan first and then everything's going to be good. And then in the book of Hebrews, it tells us this, to fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 1, read along with me, we got it on the screen. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this, here's where you tune in, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him he endured the cross disregarding its shame now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne now there's a lot there and if you've been around for the past few weeks I talked a few weeks ago about running uh, a marathon and I talked about a little bit about this passage about how you know surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses people cheering you on they've seen the finish line and they're saying go 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 and so I want you to envision that but the most important thing all these people that are cheering you on are great but the most important is Jesus is Jesus Fix your eyes on him because he is the one who started your faith. He gave you anything to have faith in. And he is the one who will perfect it, who will mature it and make it grow. And it won't be so weak and it won't be so easily crushed all the time like it is in my life sometimes. I'm just being honest. Like it might be in yours where you're just like, I want to be joyful, but my life just keeps beating me down. And here's what I want you to catch. Here, if you don't catch anything else, this is important. It says he looked at the cross and was somehow to, able to consider it, what's our three-letter word we're talking about? Joy. Was it because the cross was easy? No. The cross is probably the worst way to die in the history of mankind. And he knew it. He knew exactly how he was going to die. He knew all the things were going to lead up to it. He knew how his friends were going to betray him and reject him and abandon him. He knew all these things. But for what it afforded, what it purchased, that's what gave him joy. And can I, can I zero you in for just a second? Everybody wake up. I know it's a little bit warm in here, toasty, but wake up. He considered you worthy of joy. You, 
all your mess ups, all your mistakes, all your failures, all the times that you're letting him down and you're going to let him down. He looked at you and for buying your salvation with his body and his blood, he considered the cross worthy of joy to go through for what it afforded, what it bought, what it purchased. Yours and my salvation if you'll come to him. Isn't that amazing? Is that he would consider the worst thing on the earth. I don't even consider traffic worth, you know, seeing my family sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, I'll just spend the night here on the side of the road. <laughs> you, know? I, you know, it's like we can be so selfish, but Jesus looked at the cross and said, I consider it joy because what it gets, my children, my brothers and sisters that I love that are, don't even know yet what I'm doing for them. And so that's reason enough to fix your eyes on Jesus and put him first. Stop listening to fear and put Jesus first in every area of your life. Every area of your life. A lot of times we kind of think of, say, God's side and the world or Satan's side, and there's a line in the middle. And a lot of times we get caught up trying to do what? Straddle that line. And there's times we'll get really on God's side, but then there's other times we get really on Satan's side. But then a lot of times we just want to be in the middle because I can go whichever way I need to really quick in a, in a flash, in a pinch. But what we've got to do is say, I don't want to be anywhere near Satan's side. I want to be on God's side. I want to fix my eyes on him. I don't want to be down the middle looking this way. I want to be fixed on God. I want to be fixed on Jesus in every area of your life. And here's a phrase I heard many, many years ago. I don't even know who to attribute it to. It's this, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. There's not a version of Christianity where you just give part of your life because if you want the life of Jesus, you gotta lay your life down. It's life for life, it's a straight up trade, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. So what's the other one? J, Jesus, O, others. You know, the common thought is for, especially believers, to say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, so yeah, I, I always put others first. I put Jesus first, and I, I, you know, or maybe I'll be second. But no, that's not what God's called us to do. But it's flawed as well, because the truth is this, is that Jesus taught us so much during his ministry, including like the Sermon on the Mount about, you know, things like the Good Samaritan. You remember that story? The guy who got beat up and left for dead and people just, well, had the reasons they went on around the other way. But this Samaritan, the guy who was normally the bad guy in the Jewish stories, he's the one who stopped and helped. He put somebody before himself. And so the Apostle Paul shares this in Philippians chapter 2. He says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now that's sort of wordy, but here's what I want you to get really quick. He's saying, if you've gotten anything good from following Jesus, now what's the answer to that? You've absolutely gotten something good for following Jesus. If you've gotten anything, the answer is, man, I've gotten way more than I deserve, right? Way more than I deserve. Even if I'm like on the fringe and I'm not truly following Jesus, Jesus might not be first. You still got more than you ever deserved, more than I ever deserved. 
So he's saying, if you've gotten anything good from being connected with God's Holy Spirit, and you get God's Holy Spirit when you're baptized into Christ because you're turning away from your sin and you're making him Lord. So if you've gotten anything good from the Spirit, if you've gotten anything good from Jesus, he says, then let my joy be fulfilled and mature and let all of you have the same mindset. Look at verse three of the same passage. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, I want to pause right quick right there because some of you, this might be a lot for you, and you might be wanting to tune me out. So he's not saying you completely ignore your life, that you just let yourself be mistreated all the time and you never do. He says, also to what? Your own interests, but who's come first? Others. And that's still, for some of you, you've been hurt, and I know that. We've all been hurt. And you might be thinking, well, I'm just going to be a victim if I just allow other people to take advantage of me at times. But here's the truth, I will tell you. If you always try to put yourself before others, you'll be the most miserable person on the face of the earth. And no vengeance, no payback, no nothing will ever, ever heal the pain. Like just saying, God, I'm trusting you, I surrender it to you, and I'm going to let other people go before me. Now, you've got, to, you've got to dig in and find out what that looks like for you. I, I can't address every situation, but you've got to learn, and I've got to learn, to put other people first. Other people before yourself, the interests of others. He says, have this mind among yourselves, verse 5, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God and did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so here's how I'm going to wrap this part up. If you need to figure out what does it look like, look at Jesus. Because he is and was the king of the universe, and he came and humbled himself and allowed himself to be killed on a cross, as we said, was one of the worst ways to die. And if your Lord puts other people first, how can you and I be any different? If you claim Jesus as Lord, how can you say, I get to go before everybody else? And here's that last one, yourself, yourself. Here's what I want you to hear. Here's what I need to hear. The goal is not for people to see me, but for people to see Jesus. That should be our goal. It's for people not to see you, not to see me, but to see Jesus in me. Like John the baptizer said, he must increase and I must decrease. You ever hear that story? So the question is, how do I decrease? And I got a few quick things real quick that I'm going to wrap up with. Our, our values here at Movement, we talk about things that we value here, and I believe our values are really good ways that you can start to input in your life, and you'll see, and our values are these, grace, truth, family, laughter, authenticity, and movement. I'm gonna, I ain't going to talk about all six at different times, I'm going to talk about them together here, so you're, you're starting to freak out, Just bear with me. Here's the first two, grace and truth. If you start to put grace and truth as a forefront focus of value in your life, I believe you'll start to find more joy. We talk about it all the time. Grace and truth have to be together, and here's why. Because if you focus only on grace and no truth, it leads to the idea that everybody's okay and that nobody actually needs Jesus. And that's dangerous and that's deadly. We can't, we can't follow that idea. 
because we're all lost. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But if you also then, on the other side, only focus on truth and you don't focus at all on grace or you don't focus on grace very much, then honestly, that's going to leave you at a place of no joy because you're going to spend your time finding fault with everybody else and saying, here's the truth and here's you and you don't match up. But if you get in your own little quiet space inside your head, you're going to realize, guess who else don't match up? Yourself. If it's all about truth but no grace, that's what you're going to be, and you're going to be miserable. You're going to have no joy that way either. And so what we've got to do is put these two things together, grace and truth together. So more of our focus has to get off of self, because focus on self, it stems from insecurity, right? You're like, I got to protect me because nobody else is going to look out for me. You're insecure. And so you think, if I just leave God, if I leave myself up to God, I'm not going to have my needs met. I'm not going to be protected. I'm not going to be watched out for. But who's going to do a better job of watching out for you, little old you or the creator of the universe? Trust him to look out after your life. And so when we understand grace, we live in grace and we share it more freely and I guarantee you we find joy more freely. So you start practicing grace, forgiveness for other people, welcoming other people, letting them hear the truth of God's word, that they need him as a savior, that they have broken their relationship with him and they need him, but the truth is for everybody. Everybody's welcome. You'll start to be more joyful. Well, the next is this. Laughter and family. Family and laughter. And that might sound weird, but that's something we value here because the truth of the matter is, is that joy comes more easily when you love others and you live in community. When you love others and you live in community, when we spend time together and we laugh together, I'm telling you, life gets better. It opens up the door for guess what? When we need to mourn together. So many people are hurting and they don't have anybody because they haven't built any relationships and they haven't spent time laughing with other people. And so therefore, when they need to mourn and they need a shoulder to lean on, they don't have anybody. But one of the best gifts that you can give yourself is getting involved in a church family like this that practices grace and truth and tries to be family for one another and laugh together so that we can mourn with one another and be the family that we need. And that's one of my greatest joys is hearing people share their stories about how this church family came together at a time when they were needed. Some of them, I never even knew what was going on, but other people had relationships with them, and they did. So find ways to laugh together. Find ways to, to, uh, to spend time together. I'll tell you one of the best ways you can do that is meals around a table together. One of the best ways that you can start to laugh with other people, get around a table, have a meal together, if it's at a restaurant or at your house, and play some games together, something like that, but laugh together. Because laughter happens around tables, and what we do is we lean into family. So when you live thinking about the fact that there are other people that are here for me, and there are other people that I need to help out, and I need to reach out to, your joy can start to overflow. Because it's not about who. Just yourself because your focus is off yourself. And the last two are this, authenticity and movement. These two fit together because you can be caring for others and you can be responsible for others, but you can still be joyless. You hear what I'm saying? You can be caring for others, you can be in relationship with other people, but you can still be joyless. And I believe that's why, is because you can be inauthentic 
And a lot of people, when you say something like authentic, you say, oh, that means you're a hypocrite, that you're living this double life, that you're living this really worldly, sinful life, and you're just trying to fool all the people at church. And that can be it. It absolutely can be it. But you know what it also can be? Is being inauthentic is sometimes trying to make everybody think that you've got it all together and you don't need anybody else. And you can be the most miserable person in the world if you don't say, yeah, I need you. I need somebody else. I need a shoulder to lean on. I need somebody to help me up when I fall. I need somebody. We need to be growing together. When we say movement, that's what we mean. Growing closer to God. Moving closer to God. So perhaps you've been helping others, but you still feel joyless. So maybe the area where you need movement or growth is opening up to others. But regardless, you won't find joy until you're being your authentic self with a body of believers, church family. When you find a place like movement that doesn't cast you aside because you're broken, you can find true joy and continue to move closer to God. Because God loves us too much to leave us where we are. To leave us where we are. And his spirit will help us transform into what God's called us to be. And there's nothing that brings joy like looking at where you are now versus where you used to be. I'm telling you, if you want to know what joy is, it's seeing what God can do through somebody like you. So here's the thing. Keep growing and moving in God's word. Learning to view everything through his word. James chapter one says, consider it pure joy when you face trials because it helps you develop perseverance. You'll start to find joy even in your trials when you pull together with a group of people and you've got somebody to sort of talk some sense into you when you're kind of out there and when you're kind of on the ledge, so to speak, and you've got somebody to say, look, no, you are loved by God. You've got some things you need to get rid of and you've got some things you need to start, but come back and deal with this and you will keep moving and growing closer to God. Last week's sermon, we talked about this idea that peace isn't found in the absence of problems, that peace is found in the presence of God. Well, this week, it's sort of similar, is that joy isn't found in the circumstances of today but in the certainty of tomorrow. You'll never have joy if you don't have your relationship with Jesus right. And so that's the first step for any of us to make sure that our relationship with God is right. Have you laid it all down at his feet? If you want to talk about your relationship with Christ, I'll be right over here to the side and we would love to talk with you about that. And you will catch a glimpse of joy like no other when you surrender everything to him. But maybe, just maybe, you've done that, but you haven't been living a very joyful life. Here's what I want you to see. Is my future certain? Am I living a life that's filled with true joy? Am I getting connected with other people? Am I putting Jesus first, others second, and myself last? That's when you'll start to have joy. I hope and pray that you can share joy this Christmas season, that you can show love to other people. Let's be different. Let's show people that there's something worth living for, and it's Jesus Christ who came and was born as a baby and who went and died on the cross for our sin. Let's stand. Let's worship together. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movement.com. 
movementinchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.